0: Welcome to the Soul Grit Podcast. I'm Ann Taylor McNeese and I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist. I also love Jesus and I'm passionate about all things gospel and therapy. I created Soul Grit to be at the intersection of mental health and Christian faith. Christ followers need a place to ask questions and get answers about mental health. Join me as we dive into real stories and real questions from people who want to honor God with their hearts souls, and minds. Hey, this is Anne. Before we get into today's episode, I wanted to pop in and tell you about an opportunity that's coming up. For the past couple of weeks, we've been talking about busyness and stress and doing too much, but recently, Revelation Wellness put out a three-week challenge called Project Stress Relief, and it's culminating in some in-person meetups all over the country. Well, if you're in Southern California like me, you have an opportunity to join me at a Project Stress Relief meetup in Lake Elsinore on Saturday, November 12th at 2.30 p.m. This meetup will be hosted by the DC Fit team at the Dream Center in Lake Elsinore, which is easily accessible from anywhere in Southern California. It's just two hours of learning about God's heart for your brain health and how he invites you into rest. There'll be some gentle movement and some time to worship. Is a perfect opportunity to enact what we have been talking about on the podcast lately. I can't wait to meet you there. Find more details in the show notes or send me an email if you have a question. Hey, welcome back to the Soul Grit Podcast. This is Anne, and Jess is on a little break this week, so I'm just here by myself going to talk to you a little bit more on the topics that we've been talking about lately, which is busyness and the impact that busyness has on our souls and as well as on our relationships and our family structures. So for today, what I'm actually going to do is recap a talk that I gave years ago about intentional families using the book, The Intentional Family, Simple Rituals to Strengthen Family Ties by William J. Doherty, PhD. And as I mentioned on a previous episode, Bill Doherty uh, is a... Researcher and therapist based out of Minnesota, and this book that he wrote years ago is actually really um, groundbreaking for me. Um, not that I didn't know these things about how to have a healthy family, but having somebody write them out and show me exactly how to do it was really important. So, I'm going to go through uh, just add some quotes from the book as well as share with you how that would look in my family system or maybe your family is like mine or different than mine, but we'll go through some different options on how to make that work in your family. So first I'm gonna share with you this quote so we can define what an intentional family is. An intentional family is one whose members create a working plan for maintaining and building family ties and then implement the plan as best they can. It creates a pattern of connecting through everyday family rituals, seasonal celebrations, special occasions, and community involvement. It has the discipline to stick with the good rituals and the flexibility to change them when they're not working anymore. So, I'm just going to flesh out a couple of points from these three different quotes uh, from the Intentional Family book. One is that there needs to be a working plan. So, we don't get to just fly by the seat of our pants when we're in a family. We actually have to think about it and make a plan for it. The goal of our plan is to maintain and build those family ties. So connection is at the root of all of this. And we know as Christians that our connection to God is our most important connection. And then our connection to the people that he's put in our lives are our most important ministry. And then we just do the best we can with the plan. And the next part of that quote talked about how There's the everyday stuff, and then there's the big stuff like holidays and and special events. And so we have to have something that works for both of those. And then also that sometimes we'll pick something that's good for a while, and then it stops being good because maybe our kids got older, or we got involved in different activities, we changed jobs, we moved houses, things like that. Um, So we're able to keep the good, throw away the bad as things change, as we go on. Another definition I'd like you to have is what Doherty calls the entropic family. And it says, uh, uh, like you might know this word from your science class, entropy. That's like when, when things are falling apart, right? Doherty wrote, through lack of conscious attention to its inner life and community ties, an entropic family gradually loses a sense of cohesion over the years. So like I said earlier, if we're not working on being connected, we will become disconnected. That's just, that's the inertia of a family. So so the f- forces pulling on families are just too strong in the modern world. And that's what the last two episodes of the Soul Grit podcast have been about, that there's too much going on, whether that's baseball or church commitments or Uh, just the amount of homework that our kids have now, the amount of hours that we have to work to be able to pay our bills. There's too many pulls on our families. And so some other ways that our society creates these entropic families is that we don't really have a lot of support for couples to make marriages work. We don't have a lot of support for parents to make child rearing work. We'll see even in other countries, they do better with things like maternity and paternity leave or um, creating flexible schedules around what our kids need, um, being able to um, prioritize marriage over other relationships or responsibilities. So we see in our society that we have really high expectations on everyone, but very little guidance we don't we know we're supposed to be doing better but nobody tells us how to do it and then a lot of the um, family rituals that we would like to have or that we saw in previous generations are just um, blocked out by how how tight our schedules are how much we rely on technology how we get involved in consumerism I like this quote that, I don't even know where it came from, but any sport parent can understand. It says everyone has practice, so we can either have dinner at 4.30 or 9 o'clock. So... Um, If you have kids that are involved in any activities or you yourself are trying to be involved in any kind of activities, you realize that there's no longer a convenient time just to have a family dinner. I've worked with a lot of families that have their kids going in lots of different ways. And so everybody's just heating something up when they can or um, everybody in the family is eating a different item that they prefer because there's no time just to sit down and all share out of the same pot of soup, you know. Next, what we need to talk about is what is a good ritual? And so ritual is kind of a funny word because we think of it in terms of maybe like our spirituality or religion, um, or we might tease people about having specific rituals around certain things. But Really, our families do need rituals that are repeated and coordinated, so they need to be predictable for our kids um, and for ourselves. We will feel more at ease when we know what to expect, and we need our rituals to uh, highlight our connections. So um, the times when we're talking and laughing together or or sharing physical touch together, those connections are really important for our rituals. Um, we need them to kind of share who our identity is. So th- this, I think, is um, maybe easiest to point out, for me at least, in like our, our Christian faith. So when I do the ritual of praying with my kids before dropping them off to school or before putting them in bed, that defines our identity as believers in God. Um, other identities that you might have, though, um, for my family in particular, uh, my husband is from Minnesota, so everything we own has the twins, the Vikings, or the gophers on it. And so my my boys in particular have this sense of identity of being a Minnesota fan. So you might uh, have other things like that in your house. Maybe it's even wearing a sweatshirt from your school or... Um, Doing something particular in your neighborhood. So that's the identity. And also, that your ritual is a way to enact your values. So we do these certain things because we have these values. And when we do the ritual, it reminds us of those. And so there's different types of rituals. One is a connection ritual, that would be like how. What do we do to reconnect when we have been apart? Or even if you haven't been apart, but maybe you've been doing your own thing. Um, say my husband's working in the yard and I'm cleaning the kitchen. How do we reconnect after that? Um, or you've been at work all day and you come back home. That, that little peck on the cheek when you come back home is part of your connection ritual. Um, there's love rituals that happen between couples or special people, and there's also community rituals, which you might see, um, if you're involved in an organization, you might recognize certain quotes or phrases that they say all the time. Or you might have, um, say at church, you know that when you come in, you don't sit down, you stand up because worship is about to start, something like that. You, you have these, uh, rituals that happen in that specific community. Because we're talking about busyness and we're all so tired and worn out, I just want to share how weary parents can actually do some of these rituals. One is just make better use of the time you already spend on family activities. So, for example, When I drive the kids to school in the morning, I have seven minutes of captive audience. And so we can just use that time to listen to the radio. One of my kids usually has a book open or might be talking about what's happening during the day. But starting last year when they went back to school after COVID, I started using that Time to have a discipleship time. So I always pray with them for their day, but we also try to memorize a verse of scripture or we talk about a concept from the Bible. So that time, I already have to spend that time driving, and now I spend that time driving and discipling my children. And then sometimes you have to actually carve out time from another activity that's using more than its fair share of time. So uh, for example, I already shared this that I feel like baseball is using up too much of my time, and so uh, during the time when one kid's at baseball, I might be having a special time with one of the other kids, or, or for me personally, like last night I had to be at a baseball game, but half hour early. I don't need to be there that early. Only the kid playing baseball does. So I used that time to walk the field, and I had some time to to pray and worship and take care of my body during that time. There's more information in the book about rituals. I'm not going to go into it that deep because I think that will get lost here in the podcast form. Um, But I do encourage you to look through this book when you get a chance. Um, So if you were just to have a time to practice about creating rituals of connection I want to give you a couple of different examples. And as I'm talking through my examples, I want you to think through what it would look like in your specific context in your family. So for example, uh, meals. We have typically three meals a day. Two of them don't have a lot of ritual around them because uh, breakfast and lunch are typically on your own at our house. But the third meal, the dinner, time is usually a meal where there's more connection. So part of the ritual for our family will be dinner's five minutes. Dinner's happening in five minutes. I need you to go wash your hands and get your drinks. That's everybody's responsibility for themselves. So you might include setting the table or lighting a candle, or something like that. Um, In our family, wash your hands, get your drinks and sit down because I typically plate the food for everyone and then bring it to the table. And then during the meal, there's always going to be a prayer and typically my husband prays for the meal. Then during the meal, we might have uh, some conversation about what was happening that day. I might highlight some things that the kids have already shared with me, but they haven't shared with their dad. And, you know, just try to get the conversation going. And then we kind of make a plan for what the rest of the evening is going to look like. Who's still got homework? Who's needs to take a shower? Who's helping with dishes? Those type of things. Same thing happens at bedtime. So, when the kids were little, we really worked on creating this ritual around bedtime, which would include seven o'clock, you go get in the bath parents have to help with bath at that time and then we put lotion on we put jammies on we brush teeth we read three books we say prayers we sing a song we go to sleep so that ritual really help the kids wind down and and know um to have some that predictability of this is what my evening is always going to look like and then that helps with their sleep routines it also is a chance, like I had mentioned earlier, to enact those values. So at night, the last thing we do before we close our eyes is we pray, and so that's um, sharing those values with the kids. Other areas that you might think of um, coming and going. So when somebody leaves your home uh, for, you know, a game, a work, a school. A Shopping. What happens when they leave? Do they say goodbye? Do they give you a kiss? Do they give you a hug? Do you um, rehash what's happening? That's a going ritual. And then when they come home, is there a coming ritual, which means you greet them, they put their belongings in a certain place, you might have a, a hug or a kiss again, um, and you might chat a little bit. Um, you'll also have rituals that have to do with going out as a family taking a whether that's taking a vacation or just driving to church in the morning. so one of our uh, one of the rituals when I was growing up as a kid we lived kind of far up in the mountains where there wasn't any shopping. so we would have to take long trips to another city to be able to just buy just go to Costco, just go to the mall, things like that. And so one of our rituals upon leaving town was always visiting the bakery and we would enjoy donuts together on the road. For my family now... Uh, one example would be when we get in the car on Sunday mornings to drive to church this This can be a really aggravating time for a lot of parents and for children as well when everybody's trying to rush out, you know you want to go to church and be cheerful and worship God and all of that. but it tends to be a time when there's a lot of anxiety and bickering for families so what we've implemented now is I keep a book in the car that everyone enjoys and as soon as we get in the car they say mommy can you read and I will read for that 20 minutes that it takes for us to drive to church and that keeps everybody kind of connected and calm. If you are a couple and you've added kids you'll know that you had to reinvent some of your rituals after that. I think about even like your your sex life had to change after kids were were included, whether they were in your room or they were uh, waking up a lot, like things had to change. And then um, I think it's even easier to see the community and religious rituals that we all um, participate in. So, here's some questions that I'd like to ask before I wrap up here. Um, You have to evaluate your rituals. I'm going to ask you a series of questions. And if you have time to pause the podcast or go back and write these down in a journal, this would be a really helpful uh, exercise for you to do. So, first, is there a ritual missing where you would like one to be? And you might notice that because something just feels lacking or something you have a feeling in your body or in your um, emotions that doesn't feel right when um, you go through a certain phase, whether that's in your day or in your year. Um, what, What are your current rituals lacking? So maybe they lack that predictability or maybe they lack that sense of meaning. And then Another question to ask is: There too much responsibility placed on one family member, and often it's going to be one of the parents for that. But um, I know probably a lot of my listeners are also moms like me, and we can tend to take a lot of the brunt of um, creating the rituals for the family. So, if the mom is the only one that decorates the house for Christmas, or the only one that makes pancakes on a Saturday morning, or the only one that is responsible for all these other rituals and that can tend to become uh, well burdensome to that person but also it doesn't involve the rest of the family in the same way that would be meaningful for them so look for ways that you can give other people rules Next question would be, are family members achieving a balance between individual and family time? And so this is what we've been talking about over the last few weeks. If I have a child that is neck deep in sports, he's got a lot of time that he's uh, interacting with his team and his coach, but not as much time where he's interacting with the family. Same goes for work if you're working a lot of hours or if you have a lot of hobbies or any of those things. It can go the other way as well. If you are spending so much time with your family that you feel like you have lost yourself and you don't know what your interests are any longer, then it might be time to um, create some more rituals of uh, separation and going so that you can have that time built in. And then finally, is there an underlying family problem that's hurting the ritual? So, We can talk about big things like substance abuse or um, any other types of abuse in the family, maybe um, poverty or just living paycheck to paycheck sometimes feels this way where you can't set up the rituals that you would like to do because there's not time or there's not the space for that. Um, But it can also be little things like, is there an underlying family dynamic where we turn to screens instead of turning to each other to get needs met, to calm down, to zone out, those types of things. So take an evaluation of where your family is and see where the problem is. And then I would just encourage you two things. One, ask the Lord what he wants you to do differently and trust the Holy Spirit to show you that. And two, if you're having difficulty implementing something or even figuring out what's going wrong, go see a family therapist. And that person can help you just unpack what's been going on in your family and what some of those obstacles might be. And they would be able to help you set up some new groundwork and new structures that are going to help your family be more of the kind of family that you envision. After you've done some of that work of asking the Lord, and then maybe talking to a therapist about it, if you need to, not everybody will. um, There's also some advice in the book, The Intentional Family Book, about implementing the new rituals. So some of this will make sense to you, and some of it's just good reminders. So we're going to choose a peaceful moment for the discussion. So when you are uh, getting your family out of the house in the morning to get to church and you've yelled and they've cried and somebody's been lollygagging, this may not be the time to have a discussion about the new rituals you want to implement. You have to choose a time that's peaceful. And then you can just explain that you would like to discuss a specific family ritual and then express your feelings and your needs. Why do you want it? What would it feel like if this was better for you? And then you can invite the other people in your family to share their feelings and needs as well. And what are their thoughts about the ritual? Maybe it's working for them or maybe they didn't ever realize that there could be a different uh, feeling in the family. I would also encourage you to offer your ideas tentatively, not definitively. So you can't, you don't want to go in there and say, well, I'm the mom or I'm the dad. And so this is how it's going to be. But say, this is something I've been thinking about. And I wonder if this would uh, work for everybody. What are your thoughts? And then you can just talk about doing a trial run. So recently, I wanted to implement more of a Sabbath in our family, and that's not something you can just switch on and off really easily. When you've been used to doing your chores, doing your grocery shopping, doing other activities and outings on a Sunday uh, or whatever day you pick for your Sabbath, um, it it's not just something you can automatically be good at. So, do a trial run and see what works for you and for the rest of your family, and then make note with your family that you're going to come back and talk about it again to, after that trial run to see how it's working for people, what they liked and didn't like, and what you could be changing. Other maybe more indirect or sneaky ways to get this done, besides having a big family discussion about it, is just make something happen one time. Don't make a big deal about it, just do it that one time and see how it goes then you can ask the other people in your family if they liked it and if they would like to make that something that you do all the time. For example, with the book uh, that we read on the way to church, I may have just one time picked up a book that we were into and started reading it, and then it became something that the kids really enjoyed and helped us feel calm and collected on our way to church. Then you can talk about what are the specifics and then also, you could think about what's something you already did kind of on accident or just because, and maybe that needs to become a ritual for you. A couple of just principles for making this happen. First, you need the adult agreement. So you and whoever the other adult is in the family need to make sure you're on on the same page with this, because then eventually you'll get the buy-in from the kids, even if that's not, they don't necessarily like changing something. For example, my boys have screen time. They know when to expect it. And if anybody tampers with it, they're going to be quite upset. And so uh, if I were to change something about how that time of our day goes, we would have a lot of work to do around that. Um, So we just want to get the maximum um, participation with a minimal conflict. And we do that by creating clear expectations of what what will be happening and what that looks like. And but at the same time being open to change. and then we just want to protect it from erosion, meaning all your good intentions, after a while, kind of slack off if you're not constantly reevaluating and reminding each other of why we do this. Okay, so that's basically what I wanted to share with you from the book, The Intentional Family. I do encourage that you read it because I don't own any copyrights to that material. It's not something I created myself and I just thought it would be Uh, helpful for you. If you're like me and you're in a season of busy parenting, you may not have a lot of time to read books like this. And so sometimes having somebody else give a recap of it can be really helpful. So I'm offering that to you out of a heart of service, not trying to make any money on that or use copyrights in um, a way that would be inappropriate. So I encourage you to go buy that book if you can, or listen to it on an audio um, platform and just see what you could uh, gain from that. If you have some specific rituals or uh, ways of connecting in your family or ways of protecting your time in your family that you're using that are working really well, I'd encourage you to uh, message us either on the social media, Facebook or Instagram are the places that we're at or info at soulgritresources.com. You can send us an email, and we would love to know what's working for your family, and we will um, be happy to um, hear about that for your own life, but also to share tips with other people. So I hope this was helpful for you, and looking forward to a couple other episodes in this series where we're going to be talking about rest and Sabbath, and um, just making our best effort to follow God in this busy, busy season. Okay, thanks for being here. The Soul Grit Podcast is a production of Soul Grit Resources. You can find more at soulgritresources.com or on the socials at Soul Grit Resources. You can email me at info at com.